Welcome to Full Court Press, the podcast where two basketball fanatics wish they had a million dollars to spend on conditioning their shitty athletic bodies. <laughs> I'm Bonnie. And I'm Felix. Say Bonnie. Yeah, man. Did you know Damian Lee is Curry, Steph Curry's, or even both Curry's, fuck it, brother-in-law? Oh, shit. No, 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 no. I didn't know that. What the fuck? Yeah, like I got me shook the other day. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> and then when Dame, I, I only saw that when Dame on Instagram when Damian Lee hit that game winner against the Bulls, and Sadia, I think her name is Sadia, Sadel, Sadel, yeah, was cheering her, cheering him on. I'm like, oh, what? Wait up! And I, I fucking searched up on Google. I'm like, what the fuck? How is this not talked more? You know? <laughs> yeah, man. Honestly, like Curry, Steph is just keep making sure that you know, like. My brother-in-law is like gonna stay with me at all times, making sure this dude doesn't fuck up with my sister. Yeah, I completely, completely respect that. Nah, that's 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 funny, but that's real cool. But at least keeping the ball in the family, all three, basically all three of their kids has has like someone in the NBA playing ball. You know, exactly. Yeah, 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 man. All right. So for this episode's positive affirmation. If you guys are also wondering where we're getting this from, please go ahead and follow Third Eye Thoughts on Instagram. They have great, great inspirational and motivational content. So for this year, Happy New Year, Felix. Happy New Year, Bonnie. In this new year, I hope you guys live louder. I hope you laugh more. I hope you sing at the top of your lungs. I hope you drive with the windows down and let the wind rustle through your hair. I hope you hug. I hope you kiss. I hope you surround yourself with people who make you feel alive. I hope you become the type of person that brings good energy wherever you go and the type of person people want to be around. I hope you speak what's on your mind, that you raise your voice for injustice, that you tell others that you love them instead of waiting until it's too late. I hope you live louder and shine brighter because this is your year. Yeah. Fuck, bro. That was fucking beautiful. I know you're a singer, so give me a note. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> In this episode, we'll be talking about the king. No, not Mufasa or Simba, you Disney-loving hooligans. LeBron. But before we dive in, Felix, please, please talk to me about this week's games in the NBA. Say no more, bro. Let's dig in. Because I have a few teams I want to talk about. Uh, First team will be the Hawks. You know, the Hawks continue to impress me. I'm not surprised where they are right now, but they are impressing me early. They started 3-0, but now 4-3. It's a you know, rough schedule. They face the Nets twice. Um, But honestly, if they keep going the way they're going and maybe hit the sixth, fifth seed, like I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if he's in Trey Young is in an MVP conversation, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised he's excelling because, you know, the media kind of who styled excellence on him. Like, he proclaimed, I guess he's the king of Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? No, that's Quavo, bro. <laughs> but yo, but he's coming. Because the media is 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 on for Trey. And the Hawks management, they went out, they got they got some good pieces. Enough like help. Like now you can't say that he doesn't have help. Maybe you can say he doesn't have another star, but there are stars in the making, like John Collins. I'll touch a little bit on Cam Reddish, right? But this is a very good young Hawks team. Uh, 
I know I don't know if you saw. I'm pretty sure you did. But Nash, when they faced the Nets, he didn't like the way Trey Young was playing. And I quote: "It's only three words, but it's not basketball." <laughs> but like I said in the like the previous episodes, I was kind of skeptic when Trey Young came in. Uh, I had my my doubts. I had my like suspicions because like he was a young, he was small, very like he's a very small guard. I didn't know how he's gonna transition to to a tougher league, right? Like I'm not saying like it's not like the fucking '90s where he gets pushed around, but still, he's a very small person, and I I I didn't like I, Nash was complaining about the call where he went by a defender, and instead of going all the way to the basket, he he stopped. He went a little bit back to take a shot, but the defender behind him ran into him, right? So instead of going for a shot or a layup, he went straight to the free throw. He's actually averaging 10 free throws a game. And there's a lot of a lot of circumstances where he's shooting 16, 15 free throws in one in one game, right? I, like, I get what Nash was saying, but at the same time, like, for a, a person like Trey Young to come into the NBA, he knows he doesn't have all the advantages, so why not create advantages for yourself? And I guess he's making it work. Uh, he's getting the calls. That's why I, that's why I opened up when the media has a powerful. It's powerful, right? When the media bestows you a, a star, you get the star treatment, and that's what he's getting right now. Uh, if you want to know a little bit more, he's averaging twenty eight point six points per game, nine point one assists, four point one rebounds, shooting about forty four field goal percentage, and about thirty three percent from three. I want to see that a little higher because I know you can. Hopefully, I want the 40% if you really want to be a real and wants to be a threat for an MVP. And there's as a whole, as a like as a whole as Hawks, they're second in NBA scoring, averaging 117 points a night. They're only behind Bucks. They're grabbing 40 rebounds per game. I think that's about like one or one or two best. Because they're big men. John Collins, Clint Compella, DeAndre Hunter. They're very agile. Uh, they have a lot of their energy guys. They're very good energy guys. They play really well. Uh, let me talk about Cam Reddish too. Cam Reddish is fucking low key, man. Like I think everyone forgot about him. I forgot about him for sure. Like I can talk for my, I can talk for myself. Like last year, he had like a a quiet year. Not one for the Hawks to expect from them. Not even I expected a little bit more from him as well. But he was coming from injuries with Duke. Uh, but what really impressed me of him was his one-on-one defense. Yeah, like his his on-ball defense is very underrated in the league right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually very happy. Like he's getting the maybe he's not getting the spotlight right now because I think he's still going under the radar. He is he is underrated right now. But like he adds that X factor for the Hawks. Like I mean. As if he develops in in, a, in two three years to become the person that he could he can become because he does have the potential to be in fact he could be 18, 18 points a game you know and that helps a lot that really helps a lot with Trey yeah man because the way I see Cam Reddish right now man I kind of see him developing like the, a three and D yeah but I exactly a three and D but also like the play style of like a Marcus Smart you know what I mean. Mm, the dog mentality exactly yeah like i think that like with obviously with more experience because this is obviously what his second year in the league second year in the league yeah like he's going to flourish defensively i think he could probably make 
eventually at one point in his career like um all the def- uh, all first defensive team you know all defense I mean, first team he does, yeah he does have the potential for that he kind of gives me that that Colin Sexton defense vibes you know yeah he's another dog the guys are fucking pit bull but <laughs> like a young pit bull you know but yeah no but I talked about Hawks facing the Nets uh what do you think of Brooklyn Nets so far before I get into my little banter yeah like the Brooklyn Nets uh no surprise for anybody watching them right now they're probably going to be the favorites to come out first in in the east by the end of the regular season um looking at their entire roster they probably have or arguably may have the best bench in the NBA with Dinwiddie Karis LeVert is like coming off the bench scoring buckets like yeah 50. but Dinwiddie now is he's out yeah, he's out now, but I'm saying like in general, like even if even him like not um playing, like you still have role players on that team buying into the freaking culture, you know what I mean? Like you have you have I know you'll be talking about Kyrie and Katie in a minute, but like you have Jared Allen, you have Karis LeVert, you have um Joe Harris is even streaky at times. You mm-hmm. and then again, like we said in the past couple episodes, having Steve Nash, Dan Tony Stoudemire, pretty much that for the whole coaching staff for the Nets right now, they're doing really well in terms of like maintaining this championship contender, um, you know, mentality going forward. Because it's like, sure, we want to win regular season games, but I think it's important that they do this now. The fact that KD and Kyrie are both playing for this team for the first time for their for the first time. That we're ever seeing it right like look at the past other superstars who have joined new teams and have not made an impact that was the disappointing thing about lebron when he first got um when he went when he went to go sign with the lakers the first time right so there's a lot a lot of expectations coming out coming out for uh brooklyn but go ahead man first of all spencer doing is out which is a bummer i feel like they might do a like a pickup of mimi isaiah thomas because maybe Kevin Durant might have a little leeway on that one because he did play him play with him off season and he said that he got his little bounce back, Isaiah Thomas. Mm. But we'll see. But right now they're four and four. These motherfuckers, bro, they're efficient as fuck. KD and and Kyrie, like Kyrie shooting fifty percent from the field, um, forty and forty two percent from three. Kevin Durant shooting fifty one from the field, forty five from three. It's a crazy firepower, man. Like. Just looking at those numbers alone, you're thinking, oh, like that's 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 a scary thing. That's that's actually fucking. You don't want to deal with that shit as a defender, right? Because you'll be fucking spending so much energy defending them. But those two alone, obviously, they have more players who can bring that firepower, like you said. Um, so their four losses from Hornets, Memphis, Hawks. You know, uh, they had the chance to ice the game against the Hawks. The second time, right? I think it was January first, but they didn't. They didn't do it. I know Shannon Sharp is laughing at that, mm-hmm. bringing to Skip Bayless or something. <laughs> but I want your opinion on this one because this is probably not a, a very. Uh, I think people are not really talking about it, but in the Hawks game, the first one, December thirtieth, I was watching the game. It was like one forty five, one forty one, Nets, right? Durant was this before this is the seventh minute mark of the fourth quarter i think it was like six minutes something like that he he checks in right 
So he, he's checking in and he's at 10 and 20. Very efficient, right? And and Kyrie Irving was 5 and 18, right? I'm a, but even before I get into that, just so you know, no, let me ask you this. Who do you think is shooting more field goal attempts between those two? I'll probably say Kyrie. Yeah, so Kyrie is shooting 20 to Durant's 17 and a half, right? Yeah. So now going back to the seven-minute mark or six-minute mark, how many times do you think KD shot when he the moment he checked in in the fourth quarter against the Hawks? At seven six at the seven six minute mark of the fourth quarter for KD, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Like, be, just because him and Kyrie are pretty much sharing the ball for the most part when they run the offense, I'm gonna just say like, maybe at most maybe eight or nine times. Yeah, I would think that too. But he only shot twice. Oh shit! He only shot twice, bro. And you know what? I think a lot of the social media and even my my friends and and all the stories, it's like, oh, Kyrie's fucking going off. Kyrie's, are you seeing Kyrie, bro? Oh, he's so efficient, he can't miss, right? Well, you know, it's nice to see a player take over a game, right? Like, don't get me wrong, I would love when KD just fucking go off or, or or Kyrie, or Jason Tatum, you know, Harden, like Luca, you know, those guys you like to see going off, but the thing. I have a problem is Kyrie. So KD only shot twice. His first shot was about five minutes after he checked in, which is too long, right? You already know how it's always about the touch and feel with the ball. Like if you don't have the ball in your hands too long, you're not, you haven't shot it. You, you're losing that rhythm. Like, right. So Kyrie went five and 10. So he took about eight more shots than, than Cameron Durant. Right. So he's, I know he's like, Doing his killer crossovers and his signature fadeaways and his fancy layups. But, you know, as a basketball fan, I, I do keep saying how how does a leader make everyone eat, right? I don't think Kyrie makes people eat. Those final minutes in the fourth, it, it he kind of made everyone look like a role player. He kind of made Kevin Durant look like second fiddle to him. Like a, like even like, I want to say he was a, made Kevin, Kevin Durant look like a role player. But along those lines, right? Because KD was just standing there. Everyone was just watching Kyrie go off. Like, it was just a solo show, ISO, right? And I'm not saying the shots he took was difficult, right? It was just, like, he works on that game. So, like, I- I'm not going to say those are difficult shots or those are dumb shots or all that crap, right? Because he does that on-, on a nightly basis. It's just, like, how are you going to... Hawks is not a great defensive team. So how are you going to... When you go against the Clippers or Lakers or Bucks or Philly, right? Like, you can't be doing that. You got to involve everyone else, right? And I don't think it's a problem now. I feel like he might fix that later because you have a coach as Nash, right? And Nash was, you know, those moms, you know, he, they, the mom cooks for the whole family and they're the last one to eat, right? Mm-hmm. That was Nash on the floor. He made everyone eat. Like, he gave them a buffet. And then when Nash is like, okay, yo, my turn. And then he goes off, you know? Kyrie doesn't do that, right? And I think Kyrie proclaimed himself as king of Brooklyn. Nets, Brooklyn Nets. He's not king of Brooklyn. He's the king of Brooklyn Nets. And, like, he has a more dominant and and, and, and dominant strong 
personality than Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is like a, a laid back, silent leader. I I don't mean to interrupt you, but going off on what you're saying right now of Kyrie, like you know he's more of like the instigator in terms of his personality, and Katie's more laid back. Yeah, I think that relationship works when it comes to championship contending teams and i will explain why i recently um from the last episode when i told you i got um uh mamba mentality yeah the book for, right kobe's book uh, like how i play for christmas okay. pretty much there was a section there and he pretty much laid out all the other teams and players it was a very very short list of players and coaches and even players and teammates in general where you had a teammate that was the instigator and a teammate that was very chilled because you needed that you needed two opposites to make something flourish on the floor and it worked so like this may possibly be a sign that maybe KD could be sorry KD could, uh Kyrie could be that person to be like you know pushing and saying yo man you're supposed to be on this side of the floor where like Katie's just like you know playing unselfish basketball for the most part if he can um but it's gonna be so hard because like you said his hezzy is freaking dope in transition they're fucking sick like it's gonna be so hard to you know see how these two play but also when he was when katie was playing with the warriors there was a clip that i saw recently where i forgot which team they were playing with but uh katie clay and Steph were all in the perimeter and they were all pointing at it. They were all pointing at each other. Like, yeah, give him the ball, give him the ball, the, yeah. you know, but right now it's still, I still think it's kind of new. So we're we'll obviously see how the relationship on the floor and off the court will flourish. Right. Yeah. But like what I was trying to say with the leadership stuff, I wasn't saying it was a bad thing. I'm just saying that if you're, if you're going to take that role, you have to find a way like, like you can't win basketball like that. Just, so like I so to the end. You see it with Harden, he can't do it, right? And I just feel like, like okay, he scored seventeen in the fourth, right? So why am I busting his balls and shit? I'm not busting his balls. What he can bring, it's like, what happened if like let's say you you you're going off in the in a in a fourth, and then defense actually is happening in the last five minutes, last four minutes, right? If if everyone is cold and you're the only one hot, and 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 then they clamp you down with the defense. How, how are you going to get everyone to eat? You know, especially when you need big shots. I'm not saying KD can hit big shots or all that shit, but I'm just saying it's harder to hit big shots when you're not in rhythm, when you all you do is watch one person play ISO. And if you want a little bit more, it's not like the first time KD played like that. Uh, Russ was kind of like that, where he was ball dominant and KD never saw the ball for a while. Then he just puts up frustration shots, frustration shots, right? Mm-hmm. At least to get in a rhythm. Right? Yeah. You never saw that Golden State. I think the best version we ever saw of Kevin Durant was in Golden State. Super unselfless. Curry was like that. Clay, the coach. I like as a that was a culture even before Steve Kerr was even got there. So I'm not gonna talk too much about Kerry and, and Cleveland because LeBron was there and I felt that was LeBron's role. LeBron was the leader there. And Kyrie was able to do his shit when he was with LeBron. But when Kyrie asked for the trade and he went to Boston, come on. Do you actually see he elevated Tatum with Brown? Yeah, no. 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 
Yeah. Do you even think that they even had the potential to be that? Just because it was overshadowed by Irving? No. And then when Kemba came, I wouldn't even say that. But Kemba was a very selfless player too. It's just, look at Tatum. Look at Brown now. He didn't elevate any of them, you know? So my problem will be if this continues to the to the end of the season, to the playoffs, when the, 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 the games count more. And obviously, you know, defense is always a th- it's always a thing. And I'm a big believer team basketball always wins. Like, you see the Spurs in the past. You used, the Lakers are like that, too. Bro, even the Nuggets last season in, in the postseason, the, in the playoffs. Like, Lit- yeah, you never you know? know. You never knew who's going to come up in the Nuggets, right? You never know who's going to have a big game. Yeah. With, 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 like, taking the shots that Kyrie's taking. And obviously, he takes more in the fourth. Like, I get it. That's a big ball energy. Like, I'm not saying stop shooting because, you know, like, Kobe Bryant's famous quote, like, if I'd rather go 0-20 than 0-9 because after 0-9, I felt like you lose you lose confidence or you stop shooting. I'd rather go 0-20 because I still believe, right? But you, you got to do more than that, right? So, but like I said, like, in the first episode, I, I thought that my biggest problem would be the Nets defense. But so far, per 100 possessions a game, they allow 106. So that's about eighth best in the NBA. It's just a few games. It's a few games in. Um... I don't think they played great offensive teams. Well, I mean, Hawks did. Like, let Hawks drop 141. <laughs> but I don't think it was going to be a much of a problem than I thought it was going to be in the beginning of the season. It's just, I, I just want to see how they're going to finish games against better opponents, right? I don't think they haven't faced a great opponent except for Boston in the Christmas Day. But that was a blowout. Mm-hmm. But um, no, but they're eighth best. Just a few games in. If you want to know who actually leads the NBA in deep defense efficiency is Philly. But Raptors are second, which leads to my next topic. What the fuck is going on with the Raptors? Bruh. Tell me. You tell me. So the Raptors right now are, first of all, it's not surprising, right? I'm, 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 re- cause, because I am like a diehard, like, Raptors fan. Obviously, um, I'm wishing that they will actually make the playoffs playoffs this year. The only main difference is, obviously, with the loss of Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka, and even Rondé, um, yeah. right? It's We don't have big men. We don't have big men on the boards. And Pascal's also like really disappointing right now. But with that yeah. being said... That shouldn't be discouraging. Obviously, it's it's it hasn't even been like the first 15, 20 games yet. But it's not so, only Siakam, though. It's not only Siakam. Right, right. And the thing is that even that game, not the game tonight against the Suns, but our last game um, against... Who did we play last game? Man, we're losing so bad now. I don't even watch their games. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I forgot who they're playing. Um, but all I, re- all I could remember is... The Raps had so many good open looks for threes, and they just could not knock one down. The thing is, I could see, like, I could see how they're second in defense in um, defensive uh, efficiency, but it's just the fact that right now, what Fred Van Fleet said earlier, uh, you know, with the press conference and interviews, they have to find like the rhythm kind of thing. I'm just paraphrasing, but yeah, like they they're not they're not the same squad, obviously, because of the two you know, big dudes, the front court that that aren't there. And like I said before, Aaron Baines, Alex Len, not going to get that done, you know? 
But on top of that, I actually want them to play, um, you know, Utah. Watanabe. Yeah, man. I want them to play him. (laughs) I'm a big, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that dude playing, playing from, um, playing for the, uh, playing for Memphis's G League squad. Um, you know, so he's, he's dope. I like his game. He's a good three and D on like a, not a good three and D, but like he's there as a three and D player. But yeah, I don't know. Tell me your shit, man. Talk your shit. Yeah, let me talk my shit because I already told you, like I wasn't a big like I was because I'm a Raptors fan. That's why I squeeze them in the playoff because I actually did believe they're gonna come eighth or something. But like you see the East standing now and it's kind of fucking fucked. You know? Orlando's like fucking second best, right? And and New York, right? But going back to your Serge Ibaka and Marcus Hall thing, right? Yeah, I get it. They're they're big defensive stoppers. But they're still playing good defense, in my opinion. Like, and it shows in the stats. Like, they're second in, in defense, defense efficiency. It sucks that they fucked up with Ibaka because, like I told you, I think I let me go back to the first episode where I said that Marcus Saul knew he he wasn't able to bring what Masai Ujiri or Nick Nurse wants him to to bring. They knew that. He knew that. So why didn't they go a little bit more aggressive for Serge Ibaka, right? It was a swing and a miss. You know, according to multiple sources, Serge Ibaka left Toronto over a low ball offer and a shared role with Gasol. This is from Michael Grange, right? And, you know, that's what got me a little bit baffled. Maybe it goes in with, like, maybe they want a Giannis, right? I think a lot of things actually surrounded that. And you know what's so funny? My friend said, like, yo, picking up Aaron Baines and Alex Len, it's like picking him up from the garage sale. Like, you didn't, like, you, did you really improve? And just going going off with the Raptors, what's going on, it's like they're definitely out of the Eastern, top, Eastern Conference top-tier teams. I didn't think they would go that low. Like, going starting one, now they're one and six, right? Like, I didn't expect that at all because I just thought the culture that was there, I thought it would be I thought there would be like a like like a carbon copy of the Spurs, but they're we're dead last. No, we're almost second dead last in offense efficiency, right? So it doesn't matter how fucking good our defense is if we're not fucking scoring. What does it really matter? Like we always have a chance to lose. Yeah, we're pretty much we're 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 maintaining like you know Toronto's like sports teams, you know, taking the L's to the face all the fucking time. Like that's <laughs> no, no, for real. You, you're right, right. I, I don't want him. I don't want them to become like the Maple Leafs, right? <laughs> I love the Leafs, but but yo, but in the six games, they had six double digit leads, five losses. Last year, they were forty eight and four when they led by ten plus points in the season. So, I think there's a lot of internal things going on. Um, maybe the locker room is not 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 right. Maybe the like, as you know, it's been a while since any of them. Like any of that roster, even Fred Van Fleet, are are in a losing situation. Like it's a new, it's a new problem for them. So I want to see how they're gonna get out of that. I don't think it's promising. Maybe they can, you know, not. Maybe they can push for the eighth spot, for sure, right? But um, Siakam, man, like I was really hoping for a better start to the season. He's only averaging seventeen point six a game. He's playing about thirty-five minutes. He's on about forty percent from the field goal percentage, a uh, field goal area, and thirty percent from three. 
you know, I would assume he would be averaging about 25 because he's capable of that, right? And, like, I think their offensive ceiling goes as far as Pascal Siakam takes them. And maybe I'll just include Fran Fran Fleet as well because those two are your primary scorers. Larry's not going to put up 20. He can, but he's not going to do it on a nightly basis, right? And, you know, what's so funny. He's basically the X factor. He's keeping that <laughs> that Raptors squad on float because in, in about like three games, I just gonna go three game stats though. Laurie was off the floor. They're a minus forty compared when he's on the floor. He's a plus fourteen. So that's a huge difference if you really if you really look into that. How would they operate without Laurie, right? And it should be, in my opinion, Fran Van Fleet's job to lead the team. I agree with that. I do agree with that. Yeah. I think he's a better leader than Siakam. Um, if this continues to go like this for the Raptors, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what their next step is. Are they going to trade? Are they going to just tank now for the pick or whatever? I know so early, like they can start to, they can turn around easily. I don't think losing is in their vocabulary as well. Um, and, you know, Nick Nurse is not shy calling people out, right? Calling him, like, I think people I see in stories, oh, are we going to play Malachi Flynn? Right? But but Nick, Nick Nurse knows, okay, Terrence Davis is not playing well. Matt, Matt Thomas is not playing well defensively, right? Or uh, Malachi Flynn is not playing well. He will call you out on that. <laughs> Every press conference, he'll call you out. Um, I know I, I talk a lot of negative about the Raptors, so let me give you a little bit positive. I'm... I'm happy about OG. He's been he's been amazing when it comes to covering stars, right? I think in the first few games he covered what Zion, Demar, and Ben Simmons and Ingram. So that's about seventy eight possessions in total where they had the ball and and OG was defending them. He only allowed sixteen points. Take that in, and these are all capable scorers, right? Maybe not Ben Simmons, but for sure Zion, Demar, Ingram. Yeah, because they get the ball. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's my T. <laughs> but they're currently one and six. I actually had them come in eighth, like I said, but I'm not sure if they're gonna make it. Uh do you think they're still gonna make the playoffs? Do I think the Raptors are gonna make the playoffs? Yeah, still, yeah. Yeah, man, I'm a believer, bro. I believe, man. I believe. I know something in there, man. There's some spark in there, like like with with Fred Van Fleet, pretty much I agree with you. He's he he should be the leader of this team instead of Siakam. I think everybody's still getting off like the high of Siakam winning like most improved player. The thing is, the only guy right now that I could see coming off a most improved player and can and consistently doing well throughout the past couple games and even throughout their careers right now as it stands is Brandon Brandon Ingram. And off the top of my head, also Giannis. Like mm-hmm. MIPs pretty much sustain and solidify that award because they're always chasing like chasing someone or chasing something to be the best that they can be. And even Ingram said, yo, I've like mirror my game after KD. He was actually proclaimed uh, like a, a carbon copy of KD when he came in, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, that's that's not a bad thing to to like look look up to that's not a bad athlete to to mirror your game afterwards and i and that's what i love about the game is the fact that you could have players from you know different heights and and body types and stuff but then 
it's just the style of play that they inhibit within themselves that they can manifest on on the basketball court, right? So when it comes to the raps, I don't think that could be Pascal anymore. I don't think Pascal could. I think he'll have spurts, but I don't think it'll be consistent. And I yeah. think, and I think right now because it is a a point guard or guard or shooting guard or just a guard in general, it's a guard's game right now in the NBA. Okay, Fred no, Van Fleet, right? right. Right, Fred Van Fleet has to like step up, and he has been stepping up. But the thing is, with that being said, you have to put the right pieces. It is like we have consistent, we consistently have the right pieces right now in the squad because the chemistry is there. But the thing is, it's not being performed on a high level on the on the court. Like yeah. missing, missing, missing shots. You know, like incorrect hands in the passing lanes. You know, like it's it's it's. You know, even sometimes entry passes into the paint. It's it's not working. It's not working yeah. out. So Nick Nurse has to re- obviously reevaluate the program. And maybe, again, like you said, try Mal- um, Malachi Flynn or, you know, but at the same time, it's like, here we are playing basketball. If you're a rookie or a sophomore, you got to earn these fucking minutes, son. No, for real. You got to earn every fucking shit. Right? So get. it doesn't matter if you're a freaking first round pick and you're within the top 10, you know, picks of the first round. Like, sure, you can get playing time, but if you're not, like, putting in the work throughout practice, even throughout, like, you know, um, times when we don't have a game, there isn't practice. Like, who's actually working out when there isn't um, a game beforehand? Or who's actually working out on their off time? You know what I mean? Who actually wants to be the best that they can be to be the greatest, right? Mm -hmm. But, yeah, man. But let me me go to one more team just for before we go in, before we go talk about LeBron. Why is the Hornets not st- I First of all, I thought fucking Lamella was starting. But I thought we, I thought Terry Rogier was just coming off the bench and playing more minutes. But he's not even fucking starting. And he's not even averaging 30 minutes a game. And he's your third pick of the NBA. And you actually want to compare them to rookies. He does have a better case right now becoming a rookie of the year. Uh, Tell me why. He's only playing 24 minutes a game right now. Well, yeah, right now. But in the in the beginning of of the season, he was only playing about nineteen minutes. So obviously now he's playing now the not the coaches te- uh, trusting him more to run the offense and play more minutes. And he's been having really great stretches. So tell me why he, he's not starting. Like, what do you think? What possible reason why they're not starting their basically franchise cornerstone now? I have a couple points for that. Go. So the reason why I feel like he's not starting as a guard is a discipline to social media and three, the overall um, backstory that basketball fans ha- has had since he was playing in Chino Hills as a kid. Okay. So he does have a, yeah, he does have a track record since he was a fucking 14 years old or something. Right. You know what I mean? And so, like, especially when you're an up-and-coming basketball star or you could be the next prodigy, like, it's nice to document, you know, all your stories and, your and you know, how you got there, how you made it to the NBA. Yeah. But the one thing, especially recently, too, um, against the Sixers, when LaMelo, you know, got called for that flop and he went against the NBA's anti-flop rules, right? Yeah. Like, stuff like that... Um, that kind of bother me as a fan. Um, 
And I honestly think I don't know how he operates in that locker room. Like to me, when I when I put like if I were to run a Hornet scrimmage and I had starters versus bench warmers or just not bench warmers, but just the bench. And I had Terry Rozier and LaMelo Ball. Like, I feel like that, like that looks confrontational on paper. Like if mm-hmm. they, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know really the relationship right now that LaMelo Ball has with Gordon Hayward, um, with Terry Rozier, with Devonte Graham, Miles Bridges, um, PJ Washington. Like, I don't, I don't know the relationship that, that, that flourishes in that locker room because mm-hmm. the thing is, Whatever happens in the locker room or whatever happens, you know, as a squad, that will stay with you until the end of the season, especially especially if you're LaMelo Ball. But on top of that, you can also include the factor of MJ being a reason why he's not starting. Yeah. Like make this kid fucking like earn his minutes and sure he's like he's he's obviously the best playmaker in the entire draft this season. Um but when it comes to him starting, I think he's got to earn it. I don't think it's just said because people, he was just so hyped up, man. He was just yeah. so hyped up. And, it, and, and, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that it's not obviously fair for those who like, like, like Anthony Edwards, he wasn't as hyped up, but like, he was great for what he did. Like his bat, his game did the talk. You know what I mean? It wasn't like his dad or his brothers or, or like, tv or the media it was it was just basketball right and i think after Lamelo like scored i'm not too sure if i'm not too sure if was it more i'm pretty sure it was more than 60 points or 70 points in like like a high school game oh like so everybody 100 yeah like 100 sure it's 100 like yeah. everybody was just like yo that's fucking sick like and sure like it's a high school game it's high school games are also pretty pretty intense as well but obviously not as much as college overseas games or even NBA games. So it's mm-hmm. like um I, I I think they're still working out like the proper lineup and the proper pieces within that Hornets organization and on that roster that would actually like flourish well together. So I don't know, we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. That's 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 a good point. I just wanted your opinion on it. I had no opinion. I was just baffled. <laughs> why he's not playing? Like why he's not playing fucking thirty minutes? You know, like I don't really care what what he brings, as long as he can keep it out of the court. Like he he's your franchise cornerstone. Play him, right? Okay, let's talk about LeBron. His birthday just passed, so he's thirty six, and he's still going strong. Honestly, he might be play. He might play till he's forty. He might be VC for that. Most season played in NBA history, right? Yo, fucking LeBron's been playing for 17, 18 years, so might have some young people listen to this. But he's a four-time champ with the Miami, uh, well, two with Miami and one each with Cavs and Lakers. All those four champs, championships, he was the four finals MVP. He was the first ever to win that in three separate teams. Uh, he won four regular season MVP, two with Cavs and two with Miami. Last time he won was 2013. 16-time NBA All-Star starter. He won three times the All-Star MVP. Uh, he's a 16-time All-NBA selection, six-time All-Defensive team, Rookie of the Year, three-time uh, three Olympic medalist, and USA Basketball Male Athlete of the Year. And this is a lot. I didn't even include the th- he's a third all-time scorer in the scoring list, eighth in all-time assist list, and he's eighth in triple-double, right? So he basically has, in my opinion, the most decorated statistically speaking career 
in NBA, right? Uh, I don't. I'm pretty sure you can agree with me with that one. Um, he also has a track record where every time he leaves a team, every team drastically gets worse. Happens twice with Cleveland, and once with Miami. And I think he's probably the only player who got who came into the league with so much expectation, right? And he, like. You know what Doc said? Like we we allow Michael Jordan to grow into greatness because we were just so anxious to see how far he can go. Yeah, yeah. We we're like everyone like back then, right? So anxious. Oh, what's his ceiling? And then boom, you see the nineties, six for six, right? Best best player in the world, goat. Um, LeBron came in, and then I guess I guess I guess he added a little heat because he then he got a tat tattooed in his back. He self proclaimed chosen one, right? Mm-hmm. And the only like the media, the coaches, the players around the league, they didn't want to allow him to reach greatness, to reach that greatness that maybe surpassed Michael. And guess what? He still became great, right? And um, yeah, you know. And one thing I actually fuck with LeBron so well, it's he did not bring any drama at all. There's like no story in the tabloids. About him, right? You know, you Mike had his gambling addiction. Fucking Karl Malone impregnated a teenager. Fucking Kobe with his rape accus- accusation. Like, and even if those are all false rumors, the media somehow always, somehow just bring it up in the air. But that's the thing, though. That's the thing when it comes to, like, success. It's just, yeah. like... They make sure, like, yo, this guy... Should make sure, oh, let me bring this up again so people know who he really is, you know? That's why Karl Malone right now, like, you can respect him as a player, but if you talk about as a whole person, you don't really respect him because all the stories are out there about him and what how the media pro- proclaimed him as right. Um, I can keep going with his accomplishments and everything, right? And uh, I guess well, you know what? Let's let's let me ask you this question: What is in your in your opinion your favorite LBJ moment? My favorite LBJ moment. Um, if we're talking career-wise, obviously, would probably be the 2016 finals against the Warriors. Okay. Um, being down three-one and winning it in four, and then beating obviously the 73 and nine Warriors squad, which is obviously the highest win-to-loss mm-hmm. um record in NBA history. I think that was like. I think that was really important for him because obviously it's been a long, long time since Cleveland, since the city of Cleveland has ever won any type of professional sports championship, but he was able to bring a championship to his hometown. And I think that's like Mm -hmm. every NBA player's dream is to obviously play for their hometown, but then also win a championship for them. And at this point in his career, like throughout the regular season, when he played, in Cleveland the second time between 2014 to 2018 like he was averaging only 26 points, 7 rebounds, um 8 assists and like 2 steals per game. But his playoff stats, his playoff stats were like literally almost a triple double in within that era. Within yep. within 2014 to 2018 when he was with Cleveland the second time, he was averaging 30 30 uh 30.8 points a game, almost 31 points a game. 10 rebounds, 9 assists, um, 2 steals, and, like, 2 blocks. 
like mm-hmm. throughout the playoffs to score 30 to 31 points consistently in a playoff game or throughout you know the first second third round of the Eastern Conference Finals at that time like obviously we got the gist of it with you know Lebronto there was no way we were going to get pa- there's no way <laughs> we were going to pass past him in the Cavs yeah so um you know and obviously included into the into this favorite moment of mine of LeBron was a chase down block um, on Iggy on Iggy on Iguodala like that's why I said it in like the whole you know this and that full timeout said segment last episode like I I, I love that you know it's, it's crazy because in that moment 2016 when he won the champ the chip to coming down 3-1 I think it changed everything drastically not only for him but for the NBA because because remember I told you like LeBron's playing like he don't give a fuck anymore he doesn't give a shit what anyone says he feels good where he is at in his life and all that, right? He felt, well, in his words, he said, I felt like he was a GOAT, right? As arrogant it may sound, whatever it is, if he feels that way, that's fucking pretty dangerous because now he can go on the court and he has, like, no pressure. And you see it and why he has longevity. And also changed in a way where the, now that next year KD went to the Warriors, changed the whole dynamic in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. Um, My favorite moment, for LeBron, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go pretty young. He was fucking 22 years old, and he brought, I think, probably the shittiest team to the NBA Finals. The Big Z was there, Drew Gooden, Darnell Marshall. Bro, that team was so trash, and he went to the like. I don't care. He got swept by the Spurs, taking Cleveland alone to the finals. That's that's a bigger accomplishment than itself, right? And but even before. Going to the finals, they faced Detroit Pistons and he scored what I think is probably the best game he ever played. 25 straight points and he scored 29 of the last 30 points in the final 16 minutes against the Pistons. And you know how well the Pistons was on defense and that whole team was was basically Spurs in the East, right? And he went past that. Like, holy shit, man. Like, I think that's probably his biggest accomplishment because he he wasn't even in his prime. He was so clueless. And he brought a bunch of scrubs, basically, to the finals. And probably my, my other favorite moment with him was always going, when it was just him before Miami, going against Boston. Like, I think I can proclaim him as king of Game 7s because he always shows up in Game 7. That game, the 2008-2009 playoffs, he where he had that crazy dunk on KG. That was a good I I love that moment, too. But he he's in one of the game sevens in two thousand eight. He scored forty five points. D- did he win? No. But he, he pulled up, man. Like, oh, I I loved watching LeBron when the the cards were stacked against him, and then when and then when he brought the game when he brought when he went to Miami and created a big three, and then the big three again against Cleveland. I kind of wanted him to lose. Like I was a hater for a minute still, but you know you can't deny him for the rest of that decade after he went to Miami. Eight straight conference finals. He won four of his chips in that decade, right? So you can't you can't deny that. Yeah, man. But did you think LBJ had to become a villain to solidify his career? You know what? Like now that you're mentioning all of like his shitty squad back um in his first one with Cleveland with like El Goskis um and Anderson Verjao, Larry Hughes. All those Drew Gooden, all those old dudes, to see where he's come, um, where he made the decision, 
um, in 2010, I think he had to solidify. I think he had, sorry, I think he had to become the villain because I think he was, he was realizing that, you know what? I don't think I'm ready right now. I don't think I'm ready physically even to, to bring a chip to Cleveland. Like I've been here for like, you know, almost like seven, eight years already. And like, I can't do anything, Mm -hmm. you know? And the thing is, to be fair, the 2000s, like the tail end of the 2000s era was pretty much between Boston and, and L.A., Lakers, right? Yeah. yeah, so he really, he didn't have the pieces that Boston had. He didn't have a KG, mm-hmm. Paul Pierce. Even Rondo was like a rookie sophomore at that time, as well as Ray Allen. He didn't have, you know, the the formula of like a super team when he was in Cleveland. So I I think of him going to the heat the first time from 2010 to 2014 as a whole i think it was necessary for him to do that and the thing is obviously i don't like the way he did he went about it i don't like the way that he had to televise well you you know know what that he you know i i didn't like it either but then someone did say this was before social media was even a fucking thing it was there but it wasn't as big as it is now right so i think it was just his way to because all the proceeds went to to I think he donated to a charity or something. Like it was, I guess it was a, a, a like if if you compared it, if he did it this today in this modern era, you just do it on Instagram live or something, right? I just I don't think there's a problem. I didn't I don't I didn't have a problem with it. No, nah. I know I but like think about it. Like you have you have had this player who or like and it could be it doesn't even have to be basketball related at this point. It could be someone who's just been loyal to you know if it's like a political position or if it's like you know um any type of leader right if you have had somebody on your team for an x amount of years let's say more than five years it's pretty much it's safe to say that they possibly may be you know spending their entire career in that one city right yeah not a lot of people right now do that especially in the league like you don't have except for the only person I can think of off the top of my head is Udonis Haslam because that guy is like you know he is a Miami man till like till he's he's done till he's retired so mm. kudos to to Haslam but the thing is it's like no one has that mentality of staying in one team and trying to win win a ring and I think LeBron obviously wasn't ready he changed the landscape uh, yeah yeah going back to your villain thing like did he have to become a villain no. I think the media, I guess everybody else, wanted him to win, like, the traditional way, right? Like, you know, you can, you can always say, like, Michael didn't have great players. Well, he did. But everything was through the draft or trades. Um, Shaq was there, I think, before Kobe, and Kobe got drafted. It took Kobe a while to become Kobe. So those are, like, the traditional way, you know what I'm saying? He just legit say, okay, I'm out of Cleveland. I'm going to go to Miami. I'm going to uh, go with my buddy, Dwayne Wade. And let me bring my other buddy from my draft class, Chris Bosh. That was the, the untraditional way. It changed the landscape for the NBA. Um, I know Boston did it before him, but I, they were past their prime. The, these guys are just entering. Either they're already entered their prime. And I guess, the, not I guess, but the media, even us, they didn't like that because it's like it's unfair, blah, 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 blah. We we all proclaimed him as a villain. 
if it was a normal thing, I don't think he would have been proclaimed as a villain. But what he just did to leave Cleveland and go to Miami and form a big three, I think that's why he got that villain thing. And guess what? He had like put away the 2011 finals. Like statistically, he's been having he had the greatest fucking years in 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 Miami. I can say Miami LeBron. I think is the best LeBron. Mm. And, but let me go to my last question. It was two questions. Are there any players in the league that mirror his game? And will there be ever a Le- uh, uh, another LeBron? Uh, I think the only person that, that can get close to mirroring his game will be a Ben Simmons. He just doesn't know how to fucking shoot. If if I had to shoot someone else, I'll probably pick Jokic. But Jokic mm. is the center. Yeah. The closest person I would say is Ben Simmons. If if he was able to, if he's able to impress improve that jump shot, he can be a LeBron. But like, I don't think he ever be a LeBron. I don't, and that's gonna lead to my answer to the next one. I don't think there'll ever be another LeBron. So, what about you? In terms of players that I think right now in the league like mirror his game, um. I can't think of anybody actually off the top of my head. And the only reason being is because he revolutionized what it meant to be 6'9", 260 pounds, as big, literally as big as Carl Malone, and run the freaking floor. Mm-hmm. Like, right now, like, I know people saying with Zion, like, yeah, he's like, Zion is the upgraded version of Charles Barkley when Charles Charles Barkley came into the league in the 80s right yeah i don't think there is another lebron type of player like he he himself is his own is his own mold he has broken ground you know what i mean and i think right now with the players in the league i don't think anybody could actually mirror his game because obviously as you grow older you're obviously not going to have the spurts of you dunking all the time unless obviously you're lebron you can do that yeah. but but look at vince carter like he developed a better jump shot for his three pointer by the end of his career, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there aren't. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Like if I was thinking, probably off a fast break, perhaps if it was really needed, and just like you know, versatility and strength and power. I would obviously, I would just say Giannis in terms of power. But when it comes to just mirroring his game, I think LeBron has like out of everybody in the league right now. No one can match his bas- ba- his basketball IQ. It's just too good. Ah, it's- Chris Paul. Chris Paul to LeBron. Chris Paul's IQ is fucking good too. I don't know what you're talking about, bro. Chris Paul's IQ is one of the best, like in the NBA. And he's close. He's closer to LeBron than you think. As much as I, I swallow, his his IQ is fucking phenomenal. Right, but the thing is. The only thing that LeBron has better that, that had the only thing that LeBron has the upper hand in is that like he's obviously taller, stronger, and faster. That's it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he, he this guy... and having a ba- basketball IQ like that, like it's like that's like unmatched. Think about it this way. Obviously, like I said before, you can't teach height, right? Yeah. Tall, tall, skilled will beat small skilled any day. Oh, any I day. That. I believe that, but right? I just, but I'm just saying IQ purposes. They're pretty close. I'm not talking about like physique and and who's faster, who's stronger. Chris Paul, like I said, well, Trey Young, he takes advantage advantages and 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 exposed the defense on the other team. But but LeBron, I, LeBron's still number one. That's what I'm trying to say. But but Chris Paul's 
it's it's, it's behind him. <laughs> but uh, will but, there ever yeah. be another LeBron though? Um, I don't think so, man. I don't know unless it's his 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 offspring. No, I, I don't think unless so. It's his son. I don't even think his offspring will be as good as LeBron. I don't know, man. Like my mom says, "Anak the ball is round. Anything can happen." Okay. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm telling you. Uh, it's just he's just a phenomenal like athlete. Like I know, I know, I know. Kawhi, I know Kawhi gets that Terminator thing, but honestly, the real Terminator is fucking LeBron. His longevity is fucking unmatched. I think if I ever think about LeBron, I'll always the first word that always come to my head is longevity, because he takes care of his body. He's thirty six going strong. Yeah, man. The way that Pharrell uses like the way that Pharrell uses like lotion and exfoliation on his skin is pretty much what LeBron does for his body. You know what for I mean? For real, man. For real. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So we're gonna end off this episode with a full timeout segment. We really quick. Um, we're gonna finally challenge and pretty much bounce around the whole debate between MJ and LeBron and who's the goat. So Felix, what are your opinions on this, man? You know, if I had to choose, right? Because my opinion with the goal is it's so hard to compare two different type of players playing in two different type of eras, you know. And um, so I actually learned to or just appreciate who's playing right now. So I think LeBron is the goal in my generation, a hundred percent. Between Mike and LeBron. Bro, like I said, I don't even, I can't even pick. Like maybe you asked me two, three years ago, I'll still say Mike, yo, fuck Mike. But like every single time it's just getting harder and harder and harder to back Mike up, in my opinion. But he does have that killer instinct that LeBron doesn't have. maybe just that's probably the only edge he has. And sixteen six, right? But mm-hmm. but like if LeBron Grabs five or six more rings, he'll be oh he never lost in the finals. It's always something different, right? But um, it, it's getting pretty hard to debate between those two because honestly, my my opinion is still neck to neck, right? I can still go on about why Mike should be the goal, but whatever. But like I said, I only now I just started appreciating like goal by era. Like LeBron was my goal in this era. Last era was probably Kobe. Era before was obviously Mike. And then the era before is, you know, Magic and Bird. Even, or it doesn't matter. A goal can be whoever the goal you think it is. The, per- the person you like watching the most, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, it's just, but like, that whole debate stuff, you know, if you want to get technical and all that shit, it's getting really, really hard to, it's not even lopsided. It's like, I, it's in my opinion, it's neck to neck. But what about you? Okay, man. So, first of all, with the whole MJ versus LeBron thing, I pretty much would like to say I agree with you 100%. I think it's pointless. Um, I think we should just appreciate, like, the players from which eras and decades they ruled supreme. Um, But, yeah, I honestly think it's fucking pointless and dumb as shit. And there are a couple reasons why. So, hear me out on this, all right? So, first of all, both MJ and LeBron, like, they would both thrive in any era. Right. It's out of the question to compare players from different eras, not just in basketball, but also in any sport. So if you think about baseball, Babe Ruth and Barry Bonds, or even in hockey, like Wayne Gretzky and Henri Richard, who won the most Stanley Cups in hockey. Right. Mm -hmm. 
So we all know that Prime Jordan could survive in today's game. Well, oh wait, right? sorry, just just interrupt right there. If you just want to go like that, I think Jordan would have much much more easier time if he played in this era than LeBron would if he played in their era. I okay. think Michael will thrive more. Okay, yeah, go, so go I'm on. about to get I'm about to get to that. Like, okay. yeah, like we all know that Prime Jordan, like he could survive in today's game, right? Yeah. But I, but I kind of get like disappointed when I when I hear people say sometimes that LeBron couldn't make it in Jordan's era. Like, are, right? He would have exactly like he the dude is six nine. Yeah, he's six nine. Maybe he maybe he'll get a little bit more injuries for sure. Yeah, but... he's six nine. He has two hundred fifty pounds. Arguably the best pure athlete in the NBA. Um, that the NBA has ever witnessed, right? So I'm confident in saying that he could probably go up against, you know, the bad boy Pistons and probably take a charge from Bill Lambier or even, like, you know, give a couple shoves here and there or even go up against possibly the Celtics. But obviously the 86 Celtics teams is, like, the best of all time yeah. in, like, you know, in, in stats and just, like, all-around basketball. So can't we just, you know, agree that both MJ and LeBron would have dominated in any era and move on? That's why I kind of find it so redundant that people always have this, like, conversation about it or, like, try to debate and argue about it. Um, another second point I want to make is, first of all, this is the the whole MJ and, and LeBron, who's the greatest of all time, is kind of pointless to me as, just because their play style isn't the same. They're not the fucking same player, right? Like, their play style isn't the same at all. Like, the only player that was only able to emulate exactly what MJ did is Kobe, mm-hmm. right? LeBron has always been more of like a magic type of player or even like um, an Oscar Robinson, like always sharing the ball kind of thing. And Le- and and Jordan obviously did that in the latter parts of his second three-peat. But at the same time, MJ took also way more shots than LeBron, right? He took th- like career average 30 points to LeBron's 28. And yeah. LeBron has been averaging seven to eight career assists to MJ's five career assists. Yeah. Um, so when I sometimes hear, but wait, hold on. Like LeBron is also a better rebounder than Michael. Like, are, are you are really now? No shit. Like he's three inches taller and like uh-huh. 50 to 60 pounds heavier. So, you know, when you compare someone compared to Jordan, like they're just different types of athletes, right? Yeah. Because so, he, sorry, to, just because they, LeBron took it upon himself to have all the rules. Like, Mike, Mike was pulling up those same numbers LeBron was doing like in the earlier part of his career before he got Scotty, and then Scotty was the floor general and he just gave the only uh, only thing was just shoot shoot the fucking ball right, mm-hmm. and then when Dennis Rodman came, he, he was in charge of the rebound, and that was his only job rebound and and defense, and like that helped Mike do his shit like didn't have to worry about anybody else. Mike will be Mike, you know, LeBron. Yeah, LeBron takes it upon himself to be like, and whatever whoever's on his team, he's still gonna try to get the most rebounds and like get uh, get everyone involved with the assists and everything, right? But uh, yeah, I mean, LeBron took it upon like, and true. Sometimes he didn't even have the help the majority of his early career, and then he was the primary ball handle in Miami. Maybe when when he went to Cleveland. It, he took a little step back, but you know, LeBron never had what Mike had. Like just one person for doing one job, and the other person do the other job, and Mike would worry just about him, right? Hmm. But yeah, like my last point though, and the why and why this is kind of pointless to have this like 
debate or like when people have this debate or argument with like MJ versus LeBron is the fact that it's that like the whole championship debate, like rings. Oh, it's all about the rings, right? Like MJ obviously has six LeBron's four, but then if people are basing it on rings, then why isn't Robert Ori in the conversation? Cause he's got seven or Derek Fisher. Why isn't he on the conversation? He's got five better than LeBron's four. Oh. So like, if that's the case and why Bill doesn't Russell. Bill Russell, exactly. Yeah. Then why doesn't Bill Russell join this whole goat convo then is it because he lost like one out of his 12 finals appearances just like lebron lost multiple finals so then let's just crown mj with his six rings right so but how about bill russell's teammate and sam jones who won 10 Mm -hmm. or even john havlicek who who also won eight so it doesn't make any freaking sense like why doesn't that count um you know like kareem also won six titles and is the NBA's leading all-time scorer? Where's his just due? I just, I just don't know, man. It's just dumb and blasphemous to have an MJ versus LBJ debate or discussion. But with all of that said, we should just appreciate the game of basketball, right? For what it is. And the pioneers that allow us to have these conversations. Let's just appreciate that they were great in their specific era and yeah it's 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 a privilege it's a blessing it's dope it, it's what brings people together and it's what brought you and i together right so 100 yeah so thank you so much guys for listening to full court press we'll catch you in the next one sayonara